Hi everyone, welcome back to Bible Unlock. You're listening to your host, Pastor Zlatan. This podcast is specifically designed to help you have a closer relationship with Jesus. And so as we get into our episode, I invite you to sit back in a prayerful attitude, relax, and stay tuned. Hey, it is so good to be here with you. I haven't posted for the last couple of weeks, and that's because life has been so busy. And I think even just saying that life has been so busy, I think that's such an understatement. I think I'm going to have to use a different word. What's what's a different word? Hectic. <laughs> I like that better. Life was so hectic. I'm just happy to have this opportunity to be here with you. And I want to just thank you for joining in and for staying tuned in to our episodes In today's episode, we're going to be covering something a little different. We're not going to be looking at a particular Bible book or a Bible topic. We're actually going to be discussing questions. And so if there are any questions that you have that you would like us here at Bible Unlocked to answer, I'll put the email address in the description and just shoot us off an email so that way when I do one of these, you know, question and answer episodes, I can include a question that you have. The reason why I think this is also good for us is 2 Timothy chapter 4. I think it's chapter 4. It says, be ready in season and out of season. And so as Christians, we want to be ready to answer any questions that anybody may have for us. And as Christians, whether we like it or not, at some point in our lives, somebody is going to ask us, why do we believe in the Bible? Or why do we believe God exists? Or why do we believe in Jesus? And so trying to get ready and prepare ourselves for those questions is something good for us. I'll always throw in a a side note, which I think is important. You will never reach a point where you know everything. And that's the burden that we can take off our shoulders is that I don't have to know everything. But what I can do is I can take the Bible and I can take these questions and I can reason and pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to direct me when dealing with difficult questions. And I think that's appropriate for us as Christians to do. And so I have a I have a bunch of questions here. I'll just choose some of them. I'll also have my laptop in front of me so that I can Google Bible text so that I can answer these questions. So with that being said, let's just get right into it. The first question that I want to address is what does the Bible say about attending church? Oh boy, let me tell you. You know how many times as a pastor I hear this? Pastor, I don't think I really need to go to church. Oh, I'm, I'm spiritual enough by staying at home. And COVID has totally messed us up. And I think now that we're kind of post-pandemic or whatever it is right now, um, we have been accustomed to just staying away from people and worshiping online. And so what our church did a lot of times was we went on Zoom or YouTube, and that's how a lot of times for about a year or so, the church members were able to connect. But it's almost like everybody finds this as an excuse now when we do have a chance to go to church. We find it as an excuse to say that church is not really that important because it's always been that entertainment for me and so i could just get my entertainment at home and so you know what is church really all about okay let me let me not (laughs) let me not digress because i think that's another good question we can talk about is what is church all about but let's just talk about church attendance here okay i'll start off here with the text i want to go to the book of luke uh luke chapter four if you have that luke chapter four we're going to look at a story 
that uh, involves Jesus. And this verse is found in verse 16. Here's what verse 16 says. It says, and when he came to Nazareth, so Jesus, when Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. So here's the question that I want to begin to Here's the answer, rather, not the question. Here's the answer that I want to begin to give you as we address our question is that Jesus himself had a custom of going to the synagogue. Now, a synagogue for Jesus at that time was a place where God's people can come together. They can worship. They can read the scriptures. They can sing and they can come together as believers that are united in faith. And so even though this is not the point of the story here, I think Luke adds in that detail because he wants us to understand that Jesus found it necessary to go to the synagogue. And so I think that Jesus is our perfect example in everything that we do, even though necessarily we can't you know, hold up to his standard. I think that this is something that we can look at the life of Jesus and we can say, man, Jesus did this. And as a follower of Jesus, I should make it my custom to also um, go to a place of worship. Now, let's go to the book of Acts, because when Jesus um, sends his disciples on a mission to go preach, look what they do. So Acts chapter 2, we can start in verse 42, and it says here in verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so the early church, they made it important, they made it a key that they would also be a part of apostles' teaching, not only to that, but to fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And if you read the rest of that chapter... I'll point out here verse, what verse will I point out? 46 of Acts chapter 2. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. And so what the early church did was they found it necessary, just like Jesus, to make sure that they have their time in the temple or the church. But not only that, is that they, make it, they made it their lifestyle that they would fellowship in word in bread and in prayer and and i think for us as well as christians we have to make it a priority to be uh to surround ourselves around believers so that we can continue to fellowship in prayer bread right and worship hebrews 10 verse 25 i want you to check that verse out when you do have time and here's what it says the author says and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do so early in that in that church context that the author Hebrew was writing, they had a problem of making it a habit not to come together with believers. And so the author says, remember, don't neglect our meeting together. And so I think just from these three references that I gave you, we can see as Christians how crucial it is for us to be around other believers so that we can fellowship we can worship, we can pray, and we can spend time with one another. Because when we do that as Christians, we are going to begin to grow ourselves. And I think there's, there's so much questions that come out from this question, like, why should I go to church? What's the importance of church? What church can I go to? And maybe I'll actually do a, a full episode on just the church so that we can really break it down. But church is, really, is, is, is actually really good for us. And um, I'll, throw in, I'll throw in one more verse for you, Galatians 6, to carry each other's burdens. I'm kind of, you know, going a little bit ahead of 
what I'm supposed to do it, but I'll, I'll share this with you. Carry each other's burdens. The purpose of church, one reason, is so that we can support each other. Paul also talks about Corinthians and Romans, the spiritual gifts that each and every one of us have, and we take our spiritual gift and we actually add it to the church so that God can be glorified and the mission of God can expand. And so there's a lot of reasons why church is important. But initially, to go back to the question, what does the Bible say about church attendance? I think the Bible is very clear that we should come together as believers to worship. I hope that answers it. If you have any more questions, please, please let me know. Let's get into our second question. And the second question says, can I be sure of salvation? Can I be sure of salvation? Oh, I remember actually I was in a prayer meeting. And when I was in a prayer meeting, we were just talking about, I don't even know what we're actually talking about. But somehow this topic of having assurance in salvation came up. And I remember just kind of telling everybody, yeah, we should be, you know, confident of our salvation. And one um, member that was there, he, you know, he said, I have a comment. And he says, Pastor, I fully agree with you. And so, and then he went on to say, well, there's somebody here in this meeting. And he pointed them out, kind of, not by name, but everybody knew who he was talking about. And he said, that person you know, doesn't, doesn't think like that. They actually said, uh, said something differently than what you would say. But I want to just, you know, uh, say that what you're saying, Pastor, is true. Kind of got awkward, but we moved on. But I really did think about it. Can I be sure of my salvation? I think there's a caution. And here's the caution that I'll give is God does not want us to be prideful in ourselves and in what we can bring or do for salvation. What I mean by that is, this Romans 1 verse 16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes and so there it is for us it is God's power for salvation if we trust and believe God's power is there to save us and to rescue us and so I think that if we understand the power that God has in saving us what we do is we take away that pride that we have of self and we put that to the side and we fully commit to the fact that God is the one that does the saving for me I don't do that and we can take confidence not in ourselves but we can take confidence in what God is doing for us I'll give you another verse first John 5 13 John says for I have written these things to you who believe in the name of son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life and so there it is again is that if we put our faith in Jesus, we can be sure and confident in his power to save us. And uh, we, 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 we should walk around saying we have been saved because Jesus is the one that has done it for us. Again, why I think this question is relevant for us is that when we go out and share the gospel, we should be sure of what the gospel can do and what the gospel has done for us so that when we preach to others the power of the gospel, we can tell them, God has saved me, and I know he can save you as well. I hope that that kind of answers that question. But in a nutshell, we can be sure of our salvation. Again, we don't have to be very boastful. We don't have to walk around being prideful and uh, put confidence in self. We should put confidence in Jesus Christ. Another question here that I have, and uh, let's see where it is. What will heaven be like? That's a really good question. <laughs> that is actually a good question. What will heaven be like? Let me tell you another story. It looks like I have a story for every question. <laughs> but don't mind me here just for a moment. 
growing up, I didn't grow up Christian. Um, I mean, I, I was baptized in a Catholic church, but I never really knew anything of Christ, about Jesus. And, uh, you know, growing up, we just kind of grew up. You just grow up. You don't really know God. And uh, I would watch cartoons. And cartoons are just so fascinating because whenever I would watch cartoons, and if you ever, if the cartoon character ever happened to, I don't know, like die, and they would die, and they would have kind of like a out-of-body experience, and they would go to heaven. And this is how the cartoons kind of pictured what heaven was like. It was somewhere up there in the sky, in the clouds. And when you came in there, you had a lot of um, angels. And for some reason, they always looked like babies playing harps with wings. And then you would just kind of join that club, and that was heaven, somewhere up there in the middle of nowhere. And then you would have also hell, which was kind of the opposite. It was under the ground. And uh, over there, if you went there, you you know, they would put you to roast. They would roast you like a pig. <laughs> and that was what hell is like. And I think, you know, even though we may not know it, is in the entertainment industry really does influence how we think. But biblically speaking now, what is heaven going to look like? Is heaven somewhere up in the sky? What is heaven about? I'll start with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. And I think this is a really good Bible verse to read. I'll read it here for you. It says... This is what the scripture meant when they say, No eye has seen, nor no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. Whatever we think heaven is like, however we can imagine heaven to be to, to the best of its abilities, we don't even come close to what, that, what heaven is like because God has something so much better, so much more prepared for us that when we do get there, we're going to be shocked and we're going to just be so amazed. And I just I could just see, uh, you know, see people's jaws dropping as to how beautiful and amazing this experience of heaven is going to look like. So whatever we with the best that we can think of heaven doesn't even come close to what it actually is. Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created this world to be perfect. God created this world to be good. But sin has corrupted it. And so the story of the Bible is God restoring humanity back to its original plan. By the time where you get to Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And so here, here's what it is. Here's a picture that the Bible builds for us. Is that heaven is not going to be somewhere in the clouds. Heaven is going to be here on earth. God is coming and he's coming back to recreate a world. And this world is going to be a perfect world. It's going to be a world where, where we can live in peace, in unity, and in harmony. And Revelation 21 tells us, verse 4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, crying, pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. So that's what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be Christ or God, God and Christ, I guess both, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, coming back to recreate a brand new world. And this world, this planet Earth, is going to essentially become heaven for us. There'll be no more sin, no more pain, none of these things that Revelation mentions. And heaven will be something that we can't even imagine. 
Um, 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be, will be laid bare. So again, Peter tells us that when Jesus comes back, he's going to completely, you know, recreate, destroy the sinful world and create another world for us. I'll give you a homework assignment if you want. And I have Isaiah 65 there for you. You can read Isaiah 65 and it gives us a glimpse of, you know, what heaven is going to be like. But I just want to kind of just say this point again that um, we don't really exactly know what heaven's going to be like. But we do know that it's going to be something amazing. And the Bible does point out to us a few details like that it's going to be here. There'll be no more pain, no more sin. It'll be perfection, peace, unity, love. And, and we have a sense of what it is and we can grasp it, but we don't have the full picture as to what it is. And I can't wait one day to actually be there to see it and to experience it. And I pray that you will be there as well. We have another Bible text, Bible question, not Bible text. This question here says, why was Satan or Lucifer cast out of heaven? What a good question, I think. Very good question if you ask me. Why was Satan cast out of heaven? So let me take you, why don't I start by taking us over to Revelation again. Revelation tells us here what actually happened. Uh, the Bible says in verse 7, And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they did not prevail, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, which is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And so Revelation paints this picture for us that there was a war in heaven. And as a result of this war in heaven, Lucifer ended up getting cast down on this world. Now, the, to, to this world. And now the question is, what was the reason as to why the devil was cast down? Like, what was going on in heaven? What was happening for this to actually happen? Before I get there, let me read one more text here for you. This is Luke 10. This is, I think this is the words of Jesus. And Jesus said, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And so this reference here again shows us that Lucifer fell out of heaven. He was in heaven at some point and something happened and he got cast out. I think Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 to 14 is the best example here for us. Because here's what Isaiah says. How you have fallen from heaven, you star of morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who, you who defeated the nations. But you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the, in the recess of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And so Isaiah here tells us that, that um, Lucifer had this desire to want to be like God. He had this desire to set himself up on the scene and he had this desire to want to be great. And so sin began to enter his heart and he began to, you know, act out in that rebellion. And as a result, he wanted to be God himself. And so from this, 
And even looking at Revelation, we see that because of this sin, because of this pride, because of his desire to want to be like God, conflict began into heaven and there was no more place for him found. And so he was thrown out and he happened to convince or get, I think it was how many angels, two thirds or one third. Don't quote me on this. We got to go back to Revelation. I don't have it here pulled up, but he, he was able to get angels on his side as well. And they were cast out. Because, again, it goes back to this point where the devil decided that uh, he would be like God. Ezekiel 28, you have this reference that I want to also give you. Ezekiel 28, 12 to 18, where you can look at and you can read more as to what actually happened to him and how in his heart sin came. And because of this, he was so in love and entrapped with his own beauty and his own self that he said, man, I could be God and I could do what God is, is doing. So in a nutshell, Lucifer or Satan was cast out of heaven because of pride. And as a result, he rebelled because he himself wanted to overthrow and be like God. We got one more question here. And uh, this question here says, what does it mean to fear God? I hear this a lot, I think. And there's a lot of talk about this in church. And so what we have is we have maybe the older generation that really wants to just emphasize, you know, fear God and reverence God. And then you kind of have the newer generation, you know, and uh, they're more concerned with just love and you love God. And uh, and uh, sometimes we as a church, we paint this picture of, of God as some like dictator or tyrant where he's on the throne and you have to fear him in, in terms of being afraid of what he can or what he's going to do to you. And so I think sometimes as a church, we kind of paint uh, a wrong picture of who God is. And that's why, you know, you kind of have, the like I said earlier, the older generation, they, they love this like fear, reverence, and then this younger, new generation where they're just all about love and stuff. And so what does it biblically mean to fear God? And there is that text in Proverbs. Um, I think everybody knows this knows this text um let me let me pull this text up actually and it says the fear of the lord so this is proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 you know the fear of the lord is beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction and so there is a fear that we have to understand because the bible does address us fearing god but what does that look like or what does that mean and so i guess the best way for us to explain it or one way to look at it is a respect type of fear that we have towards god you see for us or for a lot of us that do have parents we love our parents but at the same time we recognize the difference between us and our parents we recognize that our parents um are they are the ones that have taken care of us they have brought us in this world they provide for us they're the ones that discipline us that show us guide us they teach us the ways of life and so as a child you naturally have this fear over your parents not in terms of that that you know your parents are going to abuse you but you have this fear because you know that they're going to take care of you they're going to provide for you and so when they discipline you and teach you you're going to have this respect um, for them. And I think it's the same way that it works with us. One of the ways to look at, you know, what does it mean to fear God is to have respect for who he is, because God is so much bigger, so much better. He is good. He is loving. He is just. And so God really is a powerful God. And so just to recognize on that aspect that he is bigger than us, we have to fear him in terms of being able to respect him. 
I think there's also another aspect of fearing God, and that aspect is found in, I guess that aspect is found when we look at the word awe, right? Have you, you know, you know, when you stand in awe of someone or something, you're just amazed by what it is and, and how amazing this thing is. And I think that's the same way for us is that we have awe, we fear God, we are in awe because of his matchless power and the fact that who he is is just so amazing. And so I think that's probably the way that I'll look at what it means to uh, fear God. It means to have a huge respect for him, is to understand who he is, that he's so much stronger, better, more powerful, and also have a respect for the fact that he is our creator and that he is our God. And so um, again, this is a good question to spend some time in it, but I think that's, in a nutshell, that's how I will be able to kind of address it at this time. There's another verse, Hebrew chapter 12, verse 18, and it says, Let us have grace whereby we may offer service well-pleasing to God with reverence and awe. So that's what Hebrews tells us again, that we should have reverence and respect and we should stand in awe of godly fear. So there is a proper way to understand godly fear. And uh, I would also even argue that the devil or Satan tries to push a false sense of fear into getting us to um, to fear God so that we don't want to enter into a, a loving relationship with him. But I think I've said that. I think we should awe, we should respect God, and we should stand in awe. And when we do that, that is where we'll be able to find wisdom. And with that being said, I think we are going to wrap up our episode for today. Again, if you have any questions, please feel free to email it to us. You'll find the, the email address in the description. With that being said, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope to see you next time. Subscribe and stay tuned. <laughs>